it would be really terrible if it was just just me. So it's just great that uh, you guys are here, blessed to be a part of uh, an amazing Kingsway family. And thanks for uh, thanks for being who you are. Uh, I hear lots of good stuff about you throughout my weeks, and that is always uh, exciting. For those listening online, we know you wish you were here. So uh, we're glad that you're listening as well. Uh, we are in a series on taming the tongue. So if you haven't been here in a couple of weeks, you missed out on the first uh, two parts of it. I think there's this part and possibly one one after this. But um, we were talking about this tongue, this, this issue of the words we say, because uh, for me, I don't know, maybe the same for you, but this thing gets me in trouble all the time. I say stuff, and then I'm like, where did that come from, and why, you know, how do I get those words back, and, can't, and find ways, you know, find out that it's, it's, it's more difficult to do, and then you think, man, I'm going to stop saying certain things, or I'm going to change the way I speak, and finding out that that's more difficult than just, just deciding that you're going to do it, and then realizing, you know, there's reason for us to do that, is our words are powerful. We talked about that in the first couple of weeks as well. We'll look at it a little bit again tonight, that the power of life and death, it says in Proverbs, is in our tongue. In what we say, we can speak life or death into, into situations, into relationships, and uh, other things. Last week, we talked about the voices in your head. So if you have those voices and you missed last week, you definitely want to listen to it. Uh, it was talking about having that argument with someone and they're not there. Uh, and we had couples nudging each other during the service. And uh, there's, there's definitely some, um, some uh, others who go through the same thing as me, but we all have those. We have the voice of the Lord trying to speak to us. We have the voice of the enemy trying to lie to us. And then we've got our own voice on the inside, that soundtrack that our life is being played to. And we make different decisions and the conversations that we have with other people, they they come out of those conversations and they're directly affected by that. And so last week we left you with a thought to challenge you to fix your mind on things that are true. And that wasn't something that I came up with. It's actually something that Paul came up with uh, uh, and wrote to uh, some New Testament believers. But So we're going to start where we left off last uh, week on Philippians 4.8. But before you go there, um, do you ever notice how much bad news there is around you know, as we passed the mic around, there was some bad news. Uh, if you just pick up a newspaper or Google online, I mean, they do still exist, but maybe if you go online to get your news, there's just bad, bad news everywhere. And, and you see interesting reactions to the bad news. Um, last week, Beth was in the grocery store in the middle of the day, and it was jam-packed, lineups everywhere. She was supposed to come home at a certain time because I had to go somewhere. She's like, you just won't believe this. Like, there's just so many people in the store, and the cashier's like, what's going on? Well, they had just read in the news that we had a nasty winter snowstorm coming last week. And when after, you know, this is the after the snowstorm. This is what it looked like out, you know, kind of in our front lawns. But maybe you heard about that as well. Maybe you were shopping. You know, this, this snowmageddon's going to hit us in November. Nothing. Nothing comes of it. You know, then I also read last week that the, the first driverless bus crashed, crashed on its first day. And so I'm like, what? I got to click that. You know, how many people died? And then I look and it's like that truck sort of backed up into it a little bit, barely a scrape on the bumper. I'm like, that's not a crash. You know, like it's like this bait as if this thing is so, so terrible. Then, uh, you know, as you kind of watch the, the housing market, you're like, you read in the things, you know, the, the housing market, boom, is done. We're, we're in for a crash, you know. And if you bought your house recently, you're a sucker because, you know, the, 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 the prices are going to just plummet. And then, you know, the next month, all of a sudden, it's like, well, I guess we've plummeted as far as we're going to go, just down 1%. Now we're on the way back up again. You're like, well, what is it? And next month, it'll be going back down. You're like, when do I sell? When do I buy? Do I, do I? And, and for those who are in that kind of spot of, of wondering when you should sell, there's just, just, just there's never going to be like that moment. 
uh, when you know, but they just, they, they bait you with these, with these, um, these advertisements or these titles, and you think, man, it's so easy to get sucked in. And maybe it's not just in the news. Maybe it's at your work. Maybe it's in your um, family life. People are, people, the stuff they say around you is just like, oh, it just begins to drag you down. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 is why it's so important. Paul said to the Philippian followers of Jesus, he said, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true. And this is where we stopped last week. Fix your thoughts. Think about things that are true. Why? Because the enemy's trying to put lies into your mind from all different uh, spots in your life. Then it says, you know, fix your thoughts on what's honorable. The things that are honest. Because there are many things around us that aren't honorable. And, and we... Oftentimes, we, this culture of dishonor, you know, where um, students treat teachers like, you know, garbage. There's very little respect for people. Uh, no honor. We don't use that unless, you know, we got caught doing something bad and we have to say, you know, your honor, I'm guilty, right? That's about the only time we use it. But honor, when we bring honor back, it lifts everything up around it. Then it says focus on the things that are right because there's lots of things around us that are wrong. And we want to focus on, on those kind of things. It says focus on things that are pure and clean, you know, for some of you, you know, you got messes in your life, and that's all your focus is drawn to this, to these messes. He says, fix your thoughts on things that are lovely, things that are acceptable, things that are, are friendly towards, you know, the things that, that make others want to be around you. Focus on things that are admirable. Literally, that means focus on the good reports in your life. There's lots of negative reports we heard about tonight. Maybe it's from a doctor. Maybe it's from, you know, uh, your boss. But whatever it is, it tries to grab your focus Focus on things or think about things that are excellent, you know, morally vir- virtuous in thought and feeling and action. Focus on those things that are excellent. See, too often, and even as a church, it can be that way. We, we end up focusing on what we're against rather than what we're for. We can focus on what people's past or what they look like or how they're dressed rather than who they are. We can focus on what other people need to fix, not realizing that it was Christ who fixed it in us and forgetting those kind of things and forgetting to just simply love. And he says, focus and think about the things that are worthy of praise. You know, when there's certain things that are worthy of praise, it's good for us to actually give praise to those things. You know, it's, it's, people are amazing. Um, obviously, when we think about that, we think about God being worthy of praise. But there's people that are worthy of being admired, worthy of being... Um, celebrated as well. I, I was watching the other night this, um, uh, what's that, America's Got Talent, you know, with the golden buzzer, and seeing people like a, a deaf woman singing, uh, this amazing song, young kids just, just using their talents, and, it, and you see some of these, some of these amazing, amazing people, and, and I'm sitting there almost in tears as I'm listening and watching this America's Got Talent, because I'm like, wow, these people are incredible. And then I looked around the room uh, with who I was watching America's Got Talent with, you know, my kids, and I realized, wow, there's some pretty amazing people just in this room. And I look around tonight, and I see there's some pretty amazing people in this room. You know, as parents, sometimes we're so focused on where our kids mess up or where they could be better or how they could do better rather than just the successes that they've had or how amazing they are and encouraging them in those things. You know, and the reason we talk about it and realize that Paul said it is that stuff's not common. You know, the newspapers don't publish stories of all the politicians who are doing things right. Have you noticed? You never read about when they got things right until after they're no longer politicians. Here's an, here's an article that was in the news this week. Who knew? It turns out that the Harper government was actually terrific for wage growth. As they finally do all the stats, amen. I got an amen. The first amen in the message came for that. <laughs> you know, but... 
Don't reveal your uh, political, you just never know. Uh, but isn't it crazy that that comes out years after? It was like, you know, the Harper government's terrible, everything, he's taking us down, we need something new, we need young and flashy. And now it's the same thought where, you know, there's people who are like all angst about, you know, our current um, pre- um, prime minister. And it's like the same thought that, that, you know, there's things that they're doing that are right, we just don't focus on them. Nobody would buy the newspaper to read about what Justin is doing right. We'd rather focus on everything that's going wrong, but that says something about us, that it's easier for us to focus on the negative around us, but it brings everything around us down and everyone around us down. Focusing on the good and speaking life brings everything and everyone around you up, and yet we're prone to speak the negative, we're prone to see the negative. And so this, tonight I just wanna, we wanna talk about that in our, in our um, series on Taming the Tongue. The New Testament writers, they, they uh, encourage new believers on how to live their lives as Jesus followers. That's why they wrote the letters. So when we read them as Jesus followers, it's encouragement for us on how we're to live our life if we call ourselves followers of Jesus. And time and again in their letters, they mention this, this the thing about the words that we speak. It keeps coming up. Peter talked about it. Paul talks about it, James talks about it, and others write about how others talked about it. Matthew and Mark and Luke wrote about how Jesus talked about it. Here's a few little snippets. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says this, don't use foul or abusive language as a Jesus follower. Let everything you say, that was really convicting for me, let everything you say be good, everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. He's saying, hey, as a Jesus follower, people are listening to you. So let your words be encouraging. Why? Because you have the option and opportunity to say other things. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. My uh, small group leader texted this to me uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it was just one of, those, one of those things that I needed for that day, but I need it every day. It says this, live wisely among those who are not believers. You know, the, the people who are not Jesus followers at your job? The people that are, you know, you see at the grocery store, your neighbor who's not a Jesus follower? He says, live wisely around them and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation, how do I make the most of the opportunity? Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Let the words you say be that thing that like draws people in. They're like, I know a lot of people, but nobody talks like that guy. I just feel better when my neighbor comes over. They're just so encouraging. And he says, let it be gracious and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. Brennan Manning's a guy who wrote a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel, among others. But he said this, in every encounter, we either give life or we drain it. There is no neutral exchange. In every encounter, we either give life or we drain it. There is no neutral exchange. Tonight, I want to take a closer look at an Old Testament story. We don't often look at Old Testament stuff, not to the degree we will tonight. But uh, for those of you, you can turn to Numbers chapter 13. If you have your Bible, we'll get there in a minute. Um, but and if you don't know where Numbers is, it's uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. It's the fourth book. And if you have an iPhone, it just will just type num and it'll take you there. So Numbers, um, there's a story that takes place there. And there's many, but there's, there's this one in particular. And for some of you, like, you may think, what does a story that took place 3,000 years ago have anything to do with me today? Well, Paul... Paul used to talk about this story as well. And he probably had people saying the same things. What does that have to do with any of us? You know, that was a thousand years ago for them. Paul wrote this to the Corinthians. He said, talking about this exact same story, he says, these things happened to them as examples for us. What we're about to look at was written as an example for us. They were written down to warn us 
who live at the end of the age. While they thought they were the end of the age and everybody since has been more and closer to the end of the age, that includes us. He says the things that were written down in those Old Testament stories, they were written as examples for us. So this account that we're going to look at takes place in a real place. It's called the Wilderness of Paran. It's, uh, it's about halfway uh, for the Israelites as they're journeying from Egypt and kind of across the Red Sea down to a place called Mount Sinai and then taking a northern route back up to this land called Canaan, which is modern-day Israel. That's where they were on this journey. And, and here's what happens as they've left Egypt under those. If you, if you know the stories, it was this, you know, the, the amazing seeing the ten plagues happen and them being taken out miraculously out of Egypt. They saw God at work. Then they find themselves in a desert and they're just like, this sucks, you know. We're just getting free food from heaven every day, but it always tastes the same. God, mix in some sugar or something, right? It's always the same stuff, and they start complaining. They forget where they came from. And here's what happens. They're halfway to the, to the land God promised. In Numbers 13, verse 1, it says this. Now, the Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land that I'm giving to the Israelites. Underline that if you can. He says, it's the land that I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. And then it goes to the next thing, and I'm not going to put that up there because I can't pronounce the names. You know, there's a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch of names. It mentions the 12 guys who, uh, who are leaving and from, from what tribes they came from. And they were leaders of their tribes. They were men of influence. And we can think, well, of course, you know, people of influence, well, that just cancels me out of this story. Did you realize that you have influence? Each and every single person here, you have influence somewhere. Maybe you're like, where? If you're a boss, you have influence. If you're a, a, a manager, you have influence. You're like, well, I'm neither of those. If you work with a team, you have influence on, those, on that team. If you're a parent, you have influence. If you are uh, in high school, you think, oh, I don't know, you have influence in high school. Have you ever heard of this thing called peer pressure? That's what that is. That's influence. You have influence on different people. If you're an older sibling, you have influence over people. And if you're simply older than someone, you usually have influence over them. And so these people had influence in their, in their, uh, in their tribes. But Moses sends these, these 12 guys out, these 12 ordinary, regular people out into, uh, on this mission. Numbers 13, verse 17, we skip a little ways down, or verse Yep, it's 17. It says this, Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. He said, go north through the Negev into the hill country. And verse 18, it says this, see. See that word? See. He says, I want you to go to this place and I want you to see. See what the land's like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. Verse 19, he says again, see, see what kind of land they live in. Is it good or is it bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Verse 20, is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops that you see. See the same word there? Bring back examples of, or samples of the crops that you see because it happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. And Moses was basically saying to them, when you go and you see, I want you to bring something back so that we can see. We're not there. We can't see, but you go be our eyes for us. Numbers 13 verse 21, it says, carries on. So these guys went up. They explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near whatever other places. Then going north, they passed through the Negev and Well, you want to try? The... So, so they're real places. We just, it's like, well, it's like Hagersville. All right. So going north, they, they passed to the Negev and they arrived at Hebron where these three men, uh, uh, 
we'll, um, sure, Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, three guys, all right? So you're like, why did you highlight those? You know, because they're actually going to be really important in a little bit. These three guys were all descendants of Anak, and, uh, or the ones who were, um, sorry, where these three guys, the descendants of Anak, lived. So the ancient town of Hebron was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zor. So they're giving you some context to this, uh, to this place and explaining that there's these three, three giants that live there. That's who these three guys were. Three, three giants. How many? Three, okay. So, and they named them, so we knew who they were. Then it says, then they brought, uh, as they came back, they brought back the fruit. When they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. That is some big grapes. Can you picture that? I know, if you love grapes, that's a good deal. That's a good day. And then it says, they also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. So they, they did what Moses said. They brought back the fruit, and they're like, man, this place is way better than we expected. But that's not the only thing they brought back. They brought back something else that was much more powerful, and that's Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. It says, this was their report to Moses. Because they brought back not only some of the fruit, they brought back a report. They said, we entered the land that you sent us to explore It's indeed a bountiful country. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. And they're like, here you go, this massive thing of grapes. But here's everything good about this land. Here's all the things that, you know, God said it was going to be. It's going to be good. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. That's what he said. And then they bring in this big but. They said, but the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. And we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Every circumstance that you face, every circumstance that these guys face, there's a positive and there's a negative element to it. There's two sides to almost everything that we go through. And it depends on, um, the outcome often is dependent on what we choose to focus on. It doesn't determine it, but it's on our way to to that place that uh, uh, how we focus and what we focus on plays a huge, huge part. So here they say, the good side, you guys can be the good side. It's an amazing place. The grapes are huge. Couldn't be better. And they're all like, yes. And then they're like, but. And then there's you guys. You know, the other report, right, where, man, there's giants there. Like, the fruit's huge, but the people are huge too. You know, and the cities are huge. And did we mention that there's giants there? They're, They're huge. And it's incredible, you know, that they bring these two things And the question is, what did they see? What did they actually see when they went there? They saw different things, but what did they focus on? And the question for for you tonight is this. What do you see? I have a couple of little things. I want to just show something out. But wait, not yet, not yet. Uh, Okay, well, it's up there. When you see it, I just want you to shout out what you see. The first thing that comes to your mind, what do you see? What, a duck, a rabbit. Now, which one is it? Oh, there's a duck and there's a rabbit. So some of you saw, that's good, that's good. Next. What do you see? Two old people. Oh, wait, we see Mexicans playing guitars. What else do you see? And a candlestick. Yes, see, you see a whole bunch of things. How many of you would say this picture is two old men or two old people? That's what you first saw. Who saw two old people first? Who saw the Mexicans playing music first? Right on. And who saw the candlestick in the middle first? Those are geniuses, actually, according to studies. 
studies I just, I just made up. All right, so, uh, uh, and, uh, and the next one, one more. Shout it out. What do you see? Oh, some see a baby and some see some people standing by. Oh, there's a baby? There's no baby. See, you want to fight over that. Like, I'm like, there's no baby. Yes, there is, because I believe what I see. Enough of that. Okay. We wouldn't do this on a Sunday, but we'll do it for you tonight, all right? So. See, here is the head with the little nose. Here's the little handies. Oh, we see. I know, so cute, eh? All right. Can we move on, class? <laughs> Just cut that. All right. So, so what, what, but I want you to realize something. You had opportunities to see the same picture, but you saw two different things, sometimes three different things. And it was, you know, for some, when I mentioned, hey, that's not what it is, you're like, yes, it is, right? Like, there's, there's some passion about a picture. These guys coming back had seen different things. And so, as they're telling, saying, hey, you know, it's good. It was, it was kind of good. It was a little bit good. But there's giants there, you know, and the cities are fortified. And it's huge, and all their passion is there. And the people start getting stirred up. And it says in verse 30, that Caleb, man, Caleb, it says, quieted the people. He hushed the people. You know, it literally means he told them, be silent, hold your tongue. Man, that's some good advice. He's like saying, hey, hold your tongue. He hushed the people before Moses and said, let's go at once and take possession, for we are well able See that? We are well able to take, uh, to, uh, to overcome it. And he says, you know, let us go at once because we can do this. And they're like, we can't. He's like, have you forgotten we includes he? Have you forgotten that God is a part of our we? That yes, what we're facing, this is all true. But we, we, us and God, there's, there's more here than there. We are well able to overcome it. And it's, he's promised it to us. Let's go and let's go right now. Verse 31, it says this, but the men who had gone up with him said, no, we're not able. We're not able. Maybe you have people around you saying the same things. You know, you got, you got something that you're believing God for. You got something that he's put in your heart. And then you got all this other negativity around you. It's like, ah, you know, God can't do stuff through you. You're never going to do anything great. You know, you're just whatever, you know. Yeah, you think your church is awesome, but pff, religion sucks. So, you know, whatever it is, you got all this stuff around you. And you're like, you know what? I feel like, you know, God is with me. He says this, these other guys said, you know, we're not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, this land through which we have gone through. Now listen what happens. Listen to what happens with the negativity. There's a truth in this in, the, in both sides is that what you focus on, you make bigger. What you focus on, you make bigger, whichever side it is. And you see it and you hear it here. It says, the land which we have gone as spies uh, is a land that eat, devours its inhabitants. The land eats people. Well, that, they never saw that. But now it wasn't just, wasn't just a little difficult. The land eats people. And all the people, all the people who we saw in it are men of great stature. Well, that wasn't really true. There we saw giants, the descendants of Anak, Anak that came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And what it reveals to us is that, you know, we get a glimpse into what they saw. When they went to check it out, when they went to see God's promises and see what God could do through them and in them, 
They came back seeing something completely different. The land eats people. Everyone's a giant there. We're like grasshoppers. That's what we see. And Caleb stands up and is like, yeah, that's fake news, people. That is not the truth. That's not what it is. And yet, we're so, so um, prone to lean towards the negative side of things. The people, you know, we see, we see the, the two, Joshua and Caleb, and we see the ten, you know, the ten who make this other claim. And we forget that there's a whole lot of people watching this. And those whole lot of people have a choice to be made. And each and every one of those is a person. A person with a family, a person with a future, a person with goals and dreams and desires. And they've got to make a choice based on what they're hearing. If you read the rest of Numbers, you can read the rest of their story. And it's kind of depressing because the people actually chose to believe the ten spies instead. Why? Because we're prone. They said that the very next chapter, it says they cried all night long and they wept. They're like, God, why did you take us out of Egypt? Why are you doing this to us? He's like, I'm trying to bless you. Why are you doing this to us? This is terrible. We want to go back to Egypt and die there. Instead, we're going to die here. And so they complained and complained and complained. So finally, God said, okay, you don't want the promised land. I'm going to give you exactly what you want. You're not going into the promised land. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we're sorry. We're sorry. Now we'll go and try and get in. And he says, don't try now. It's too late. But they tried anyways, and they got defeated. And then a few days later, you see the 10 spies. Sorry about your luck, but all 10 of them died by a plague shortly after. You know, and then it says it goes on that there was other people who rebelled against Moses and said, hey, we're going to go back. And not just against Moses, against the Lord's promise. We're going back to Egypt. And it says the, the land literally swallowed them up. They actually got all the things that they were saying before. Those things ended up happening in their lives. The people, all the people who believed the 10 and chose to say, this is, this is what we want to, this is what we believe. This is what we're going to focus on. Every single one of them died in the wilderness. Not one of them got to experience the promise. Except for two guys. Two guys, Joshua and Caleb. You know, the story doesn't end in that moment. 45 years later. 45 years later. See, there's a lesson in this too. Because for so many of us, we think stuff's got to happen sooner than soon. Like it's got to happen like right now. God, if you're going to do something, you better do it now or I'm done. And he's like, listen, watch your tongue. Keep your tongue in spite of whatever you're going through because I'm not done with you yet. Watch what's coming out of your mouth as you, as you go through these things together. What do you see and what do you say? The story continues. 45 years later, there's a meeting. Caleb and Joshua and a whole bunch of young kids. All the teenagers who were like, you know, are the kids from their parents' generation are now in their 20s. And they're the next generation and they're going to try again to see if they can accomplish what God had promised. And in Joshua chapter 14, a few books later in the Bible, we read this account, Caleb says this. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Here's what he tells these other young people. He says, listen, I brought back an honest report of what was going on in my heart. Do you realize that it's out of the abundance of our heart that our mouths speak? That what's going on in here really, really matters? He says, nevertheless, my brothers who went up with me, they made the heart of the people melt with fear. That same thing, what Matt, what's going on in the heart matters, and it's what, they, what the people of Israel spoke out of. He says, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Now therefore, he says to, to Joshua, he's like, give me this mountain. This guy's 85 years old. Anybody 85? I'm, I'm like 40, and I'm like, I don't want to tackle a mountain tonight. You know, he's like, he's 85 years old, and he says to Joshua, 
Give me the mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. Remember the promise that God said this would be your land, which you stand on? He says, now, I'm, I still believe and I still trust that. He says, for you heard that day how the Anakim were there. That's not Anakim Skywalker. That's different. That's, the, uh, that's the, the, these three giants. He says, that's what you heard, that the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. Well, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out of the, um, as the Lord has said. You know, even at 85, the word in his heart, you say, he says, you know what, you guys heard about the giants and the fortified cities, and you heard about all that negative stuff in the way. All I heard is that God's with me. Tonight, what are you hearing? What's the report that's coming up in your face, coming up, you know, maybe on your Facebook feed, maybe there's, that's coming up at work. What's the, what's the negative things that are always coming up for you at school, that this is what they say? And tonight, he just wants to say that same simple thing that I heard that he's with me, that no matter what happens, he's with me. Paul understood it so well. He wrote, to the, he wrote most of these letters while he was in prison. He wrote to the Philippians and said to them at one point, he said, hey, you know what? I'm in chains because the gospel's being preached. And he says, you know, you've heard there's other people that are out preaching, but they're doing it for selfish ambition. They're trying to make money. Some of them are preaching out of conceit because they want to start their own religion thinking I started mine. They're doing it for all the wrong reasons. And Paul's sitting in prison. I can't do anything about it. But what's his next line he writes? He says, I just thank God that Christ is being preached. You know, it's like, man, this mindset of realizing, wow, yeah, there's a whole lot of terrible stuff, but, but, you know, God is with me. Think about it. Which one are you more like? Are you more like the 10 who sees the negative? This is the whole reason we're talking about the taming of the tongue is because it's what God's doing in me. I feel like, I feel like, you know, at times I'm like this old bitter man trapped in this young body, you know, but uh, there's this, there's this part of me that's just like I keep seeing that and I keep leaning towards this. I'm like, I'm not that guy, nor do I want to be that guy. But how many of you find yourself in that similar spot? You know, Caleb said this. He's like, the Lord is with me and I'll do what he says. Caleb's words impacted and affected his own life. How much easier would it have been for him to just go along with the rest of the guys? How much easier would it have been, you know, after the fact to say, yeah, you know what, it's been 45 years and I'm still here in the desert. God, what did you do, mean it? How much easier would it have been? But had he done that, had he gone with the easy route, we're not even having this story today. Second thought is this, that Caleb's words affected the next generation. The next generation believed that it was possible. His generation believed it's not possible, but the next generation did it. So was it impossible? No. They just didn't see it. And the last thought is this. Caleb's words continue to influence people. Not just his own life, not just the next generation, but people today. Through the words that we read today. But how, how, many, how many others, I guess this is a question. When's the last time you met a Shemua? A Shemua. It's a name. When's the last time you met Igel? Or Palti? Or Nabi? Those were all part of the ten. No one's naming their kids after them. How many of you met a Joshua? How many of you met a Caleb? You know what? They're still naming their kids after him, after these guys, because of the influence that they had on lives. It's incredible. You know, those things were written as an example to us. And tonight you might think, well, that's just a positive speaking message. You know, it's just one of those things of like, hey, you know, like where people say, oh, man, it's never, it's never going to work out. Like, well, you just got to speak positively. Okay, I'm positive. It's never going to work out, right? Like those, those thoughts where, where the Lord isn't a part of it. 
The whole idea behind this is saying, hey, God, where are you at work in this? Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it doesn't seem like everything's working out, but I trust that you are with me. So where are you in this? And on the flip side of that, it's not like name it, claim it, where maybe you're like, oh no, he's going down that road where it's like, I just say stuff and it happens. I'm going to win the lottery. I claim it in Jesus' name. If I say it enough times, God, you got to do it because, you know, that's what you said. The power of life and death and money are in the tongue. Or that guy's going to marry me. That guy's going to marry me. That guy's going to marry me. Guy's going to marry me. And he's already married. You know, there's stuff that, I, that, that happens where people take things just too far the other way. But he's saying, listen, don't lose, don't lose what the, the truth is in this, that, that our lives and our tongues, we have the opportunity to speak life. So what are you focusing on? What are you actually focusing on? What's the soundtrack going through your mind each and every day? Are you leaning towards the negative? Or are you saying, you know what, God, it doesn't matter what's going on. I know you are with me. I'm going to stay in constant communication with you. The challenge for us is in every conversation we have, we have the opportunity to speak life or death. There's no neutral exchange. We're, I want to leave you tonight with one video and one last thought. So take a listen to Toby Mac. Some days life feels perfect. Other days it just ain't working. The good, the bad, the right, the wrong, and everything in between. Yo, it's crazy, amazing. We can turn our heart through the words we say. Mountains crumble with every syllable. Broken, live or die. So speak life.
feels perfect. You know, you think about the lyrics for that and just that chance that you have to really affect someone else's life. We saw it in the, in the story earlier. You see in the video now, and just one last thought. It's what Jesus did. It is what Jesus did. In Luke chapter 4, talks about the people. He said, everyone spoke well of him, and they were amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be? Isn't he the son of Joseph? They were amazed because, you know, so often it really is going to have that same response when you speak words of life because it's not common. It's not the thing that most people um, default to, and yet it's what so many people desire. As the disciples were following Jesus, he's saying to them, lots of people started unfollowing Jesus, and he said to his disciples, are you going to stop following? And Simon Peter said to him, John chapter 6, verse 68, Lord, to whom should we go or would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. You have the words that give eternal life. And maybe you're here tonight and you're in a spot where, you know, life's not making a whole lot of sense. Seems like most of the things are negative. Things seem to be going downhill all around you. And you wonder, is there anything more to life than this? Do I even have a purpose? Is there, what's the point? Maybe you're here tonight and everything seems to be going well for you, but you still wonder, you know, when you think just on your own, is there anything more than this? You know, Jesus said some things like this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Powerful words saying, I haven't come to judge the world. Maybe that's what you thought this was all about. He said, that's not why I came. I came that through me the world might be saved, that anyone who would believe in me would never really die, and I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. That's his offer to you tonight. If you're not a Jesus follower, he's calling you to him tonight. The things that you say, well, I don't know if I understand it all, you don't need to. If you feel like, man, I got to get my whole life together, you couldn't. You've tried. He's calling you to come just as you are to him tonight. To put your, put your heart in his hands. And I would encourage you tonight, if maybe this has just been a religious ritual for you, to find the truth of who Jesus really, really is that he allow him to speak words of life into your heart, that you'd come alive on the inside. That opportunity is on the table for you tonight. It takes one thing. It takes us saying some powerful words, saying, you know what? The life I'm living, I don't want to live that way anymore. Jesus, if this is what you can do, then I'm turning away from that. I used to think it was all about me and doing everything that would make me happy. I don't want to do that. I don't want to live that way anymore. If you can forgive that. If you can wash that away, then God, I want to follow you. Watch what happens. He comes and lives inside of you. All the changes you've tried to do, he begins to do from the inside out. That is some amazing good news, and we need to hear more of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth in it. Thank you for the power that's in these ancient stories that just so affects our lives today. Uh, I know I need to hear this. I know that there's so many times in my life where where I haven't said the words uh, of encouragement, words of life. Uh, Lord, I pray that you, as, we, uh, as we're going out from this place, as we're intentional about this tonight, that you would uh, flood our hearts with you, that you'd remind us of the power of the, the gospel and the good news, but also that we would walk from, from this place 
just realizing we have the ability and opportunity to speak life into others, into their situation, into their scenarios, into our relationships that maybe are broken, that you give us the words of life to speak into those. Father, I pray your blessing over every person as they go from this place, taking you with them. May they be lights that shine bright for you this week, and may you receive glory from it as a result. In your name I pray, amen.